Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. Welcome again. And as I did last week, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the SEC's SCCE's upcoming 20th annual um, Compliance and Ethics Institute, which is going to be occurring in Las Vegas. But because of the circumstances, and perhaps this is something that is just going to be uh, part of our our future from now on, uh, they also are going to be live streaming and live broadcasting uh, many portions of the Compliance and Ethics Institute from Las Vegas this year. There are some sessions that are going to be completely virtual. The one I was talking about in the last episode uh, that I'm going to be co-presenting with uh, Kathleen Grilly from the U.S. Sentencing Commission uh, is going to be completely virtual. Although I will actually be in Las Vegas, uh, Kathleen is not making the trip, uh, and that will be something that you can see completely virtually uh, if you sign up uh, to participate virtually. Uh, my The second session that I'm going to be um, uh, conducting while I'm in Las Vegas is going to be live, but it also, as my understanding, going to be available virtually as well. So uh, if you're interested in, uh, in hearing uh, lessons from 60 Code of Conduct Projects, what are five things you need for a best-in-class code, that's the title of my presentation, uh, and you're going to be in Las Vegas, then I hope to see your smiling face uh, there, hopefully, um, or actually hope to see your mask, probably. It will be more, more accurate as to, the, as to the reality that we're dealing with right now. Um, and either way, if you can't make it, uh, e- either because of the um, pandemic, uh, ongoing pandemic problems, or just can't make it uh, for other reasons, um, it would be awesome, awesome if you could participate virtually, not only to see uh, my session, but uh, many, many other sessions. And this is uh, uh, Sunday, September 20th through Wednesday, September 22nd uh, that these that the SCCE's event is going on. And if you go to corporatecompliance.org, uh, you can follow uh, the links there to sign up for this or take a look at the agenda and see what other um sessions that you might be interested in, in, in participating in or, or viewing. Um, I hope to see some of you in Las Vegas. I hope that we all make it to Las Vegas, uh, you know, still a couple weeks away, but, you know, knock on wood, uh, we might uh, still have a live event. Uh, uh, but uh, either way, uh, I would love, love to, to have you all participate in any way, whether that's virtually or live. Uh, what I wanted to do today is... Um, talk about one of the five uh, keys that I've learned after working on so many code of conduct projects over the years. Uh, And this is something I've talked about uh, briefly, I think, in some other podcasts in the past, but I wanted to focus on it very specifically here for a few minutes and actually talk about three kind of uh, key pieces to this one, um, uh, one, I think, really crucial piece of uh, doing a code of conduct revision project. And what I'm talking about is launch. Um, One of the things that I'm going to talk about um, in Las Vegas and I've talked about on this podcast and in other speaking events in the past is that 
Traditionally, we think of a code of conduct project, and when I say we, I'm, I'm mostly thinking of um, my um, cohorts in the legal profession as simply drafting or revising or editing a document. Uh, when we think of the code of conduct, and again, I'm using the we, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about kind of the traditional uh, uh, general counsel, assistant general counsel, outside counsel that used to always be responsible for this, which is not necessarily the case anymore, and that's a good thing. Uh, but we really thought about this very discrete project where we take the document that currently exists or create a document, and we're really focused on what does it say? Does it have coverage? Does it does it uh, have the appropriate elements that we expect to have? We think about it in a very traditional legal drafting perspective. And a code of conduct project is much more than that. Uh, you know, it's design, it's translations, it's communications, it's um, uh, making sure that you have clear language, not necessarily legalistic language. There's lots of things, again, we talked about many times here. And then uh, uh, there's lots of work to be done before you actually put pen to paper, so to speak. Uh, you have to get buy-in. You have to make sure you understand what your goals are, who's involved in the team, how are you going to make sure that the code is fit for purpose, what kind of research and benchmarking are you going to do to make sure uh, you understand the direction you're going in with both the content and the delivery of the code is appropriate and consistent with what the expectations for your stakeholders are going to be. And then on the back end, when you actually finish all of that uh, legal drafting and you do the design and you spend a lot of time and effort, your team has, in putting together a successful uh, product, you have to launch it. You have to think about it as you would any other product, I think, you know, and I am, you know, not a marketing expert. I, I'm certainly not a sales expert, <laughs> but you need to do a sales job and you need to do a, a proper marketing job, just as you would do with anything else, any, any other tool or product that you want to launch as a business. Uh, you can't just create it and then, you know, plop it, you know, plop it out there on the website and, and that be the end of it. Uh, that doesn't work that, you know, people don't know about it. There, there has to be something more than uh, just sending around sort of an all, you know, an all hands email and adding a new link on your website. Uh, that's, you know, better than nothing. That's better than not updating your code or not having a code of conduct, but it's not really very effective. So three sort of tips uh, I think that will get you in the right get you going in the right direction about this last stage of a code of conduct project which is launching the code uh, three key pieces I think really uh, to having a successful launch particularly these days um, and I do work with clients by the way on on, on uh, consulting on on these uh, on this aspect of the code of conduct project um, for the most part, I would say traditionally, I've been writing codes of conduct, working on code of conduct projects for 10 years now, a little over 10 years. Uh, and uh, again, you know, working on well now uh, up to 60 codes, codes of conduct projects in some form or capacity over that time. So I've gone through this process quite a bit. And I would say, quite frankly, that up until four or five years ago, I probably didn't help anybody with this part of the project. 
Um, and I think that to a great extent, clients and, and organizations, uh, again, traditionally, we think about the product uh, being the, the finished code and not necessarily uh, the launch. Um, to have a successful launch, the first thing that's most important is to have a lot of help and very specifically to have the help of the middle of your organization, the management, the middle tier of management in your organization. You Just as we've talked about many times on this podcast in the past about uh, when we're talking about communication and, and pretty much anything else, training, any, any other critical aspect of an effective compliance program, you have to engage the middle and get the middle involved. So how do you do that? What are some practical thing, practical ways you can get the middle involved in uh, being anticipating that your code is going to be launched and making sure that their reports know that your code is going to be launched and that they're having a conversation about this? Well, one pretty direct and simple way to do that is to communicate directly to them about it. Um, and, and you can't do that, you know, two days before you are set to launch the code of conduct. So involving the middle and letting them know, again, that they anticipate that there's there's a change coming and that there's going to be a new code and that there are going to be expectations around uh, having discussions about that code and what it means, where it is, what it's for, in uh, discussing, may, you know, even more specifically, maybe on a on a regular basis, the content of that code. You know, not not only the the key aspects that we expect uh, are going to be discussed at launch, like speaking up and. Uh, non-retaliation and the resources that are available when people have questions, which are you know the broader topics or, or ethical decision making, those sorts of things that uh, you know I think are more frequently talked about during launch. But maybe down the road, having them talk more specifically about the different sections of the code, different risk topics, and uh, expectations and and risks. Uh, uh, that, that, that the code discusses about each of those. I think there's a lot of material potentially that, that uh, there could be an, uh, you know, an ongoing conversation. So I think the first piece is having some sort of communication to the managers that lets them know that this is part of their responsibility and not just you know, here in you know, October 1st when we're gonna launch the code of conduct or whatever, but, but an ongoing responsibility to have continued communication with their reports about the code and the subjects in the code of conduct. So not necessarily, you know, here's our code discussion, but you know, here's our, our, our ethical decision-making discussion. Here's our compliance discussion. Here's our discussion about, you know, whatever the topic might be, harassment, anti-corruption, what have you. But, but you know, having them involved in this process and, and, and the relaunch or the launch of the code of conduct can sort of light the fuse for them to be more involved on an ongoing basis in, in in more uh, informal communications around these important risk topics and expectations. Uh, and just to drill down a little bit more specifically about how you might do that is providing them uh, a manager's guide. Uh, I've talked about manager's guides, manager guides before, but they can be relatively simple. They can be one or two pages and you can lay out the concept that you want uh, them to understand on, you know, say the first half or first page of, of that document and then give them some talking points uh, on the second page or give them some scenarios uh, on the second page that they can uh, discuss with their reports um, and, you know, talk to them about resources. Where do they go when they have questions? How do they escalate? Uh, when there's a, a question or concern that's brought to them that they don't know the answer to. 
um, you know, you're you're having a dialogue with the managers so that the managers can have a dialogue with everybody else. Um, but it doesn't have to be particularly sophisticated, but it but it can be very helpful. And again, uh, I would suggest this is not something you want to do just two days before the launch. I think this is something you want to prime the pump. You want to have the managers involved. And when we talk about uh, and when I have talked about code of conduct development in the past, you know, th this is a resource that you want to be uh, tapping all the way back in, at the very beginning of your uh, process and updating your code of conduct. But that's the first uh, suggestion about how to have a successful launch. The second uh, one that uh, tip that I would have for anybody um, looking to have a successful successful code of conduct launch is looking at it uh, looking at this communication effort from a multi-platform perspective and what I mean by that is um, you're listening to a podcast right now uh, more and more often uh, organizations are doing explainer videos and they're doing them internally or working with external tools that are you know getting cheaper and cheaper by by the uh, minute uh, you may have a newsletter. You may have some sort of internal uh, communication or chat platform, Slack or what have you. There's there's a, a dozen different um, uh, of these sorts of uh, communication portals. Um, I know Teams, uh, Microsoft Teams, for example, has become much more popular recently. And some of the clients that I work with have actually brought me in as an outsider, as a as a vendor. Uh, into teams when we're um, working on a project and those chat functions or communication functions exist. So whatever the avenues are, uh, there, need to, there needs to be many of them because you're not going to reach everybody the same way. Uh, I think podcasts can be very effective because more and more people like to listen to podcasts when they're in their car or you know, listening on their phone when they're walking or exercising or at night when they're trying to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are lots of valuable, res valuable uh, reasons why valuable uh, resources out there that you can tap explainer videos, uh, uh, any kind of uh, space on an all hands live meeting. Uh, you know, if there's a sales meeting coming up, you need to be multi-platform about the launch of your code of conduct so you can try to reach as many people as possible. So you've got the managers, your first pieces, you've got the managers out there. Hopefully, they're having a, a two-way a two dialogue with, with their reports, and they've been talking about the code, and they have been um, uh, uh, kind of pumping up uh, the, uh, the employees about the, the upcoming resource that's going to be released so that they're aware of it through their managers. But then you can hit them perhaps um, with uh, digital signage. I, I, you know, in the last two years, I haven't been out on site <laughs> to to many to very many uh, clients uh, facilities just because of the circumstances we're in but people are starting to come back to the facilities now and one thing that i have noted uh, over the last few years is that there's more and more digital signage there's big monitors up uh in uh, facilities all over the place and that you know that that's uh, prime real estate you know so maybe you have a uh a poster that you've put up in facilities, but maybe you also have digital, digital signage that's announcing the launch of the new code. It maybe has a QR code on it, those scannable codes that somebody can uh, scan on their phone and then go directly to uh, where the code is located on your intranet site. Uh, I think, you know, finding as many channels, finding as many platforms to communicate is really important. You can't just be 
you know, having a notice in the newsletter, or again, just putting that link up on the on the internet, and then having a message on your on the compliance homepage, you're just not going to reach the people that you need to reach, or not all of the people you need to reach. One last piece that I would mention here on uh, trying different avenues and, and being multi-platform too is try also uh, different ways to communicate within these different delivery methods, if you if you may. Um, I'm thinking specifically uh, my good friend Ronnie Feldman, who runs Learnings and Entertainments, uh, and used to uh, work for the Second City um, on, in their corporate uh, communication um, endeavor around compliance, has been uh, advocating and, and and really been a thought leader. And I don't think that's unfair to say. Uh, on the use of comedy uh, and humor in trying to relate uh, compliance messaging, which is, you know, not necessarily natural to particularly those of us that come from a legal background that, you know, we tend to think about these things very seriously when we're talking about anti-corruption or harassment or other um, serious um, compliance risks. But as part of that, you know, considering different ways to deliver the message and communicate about the code, uh, Think about how you're communicating, not only the method, um, especially, uh, for instance, uh, when you're talking about uh, video or, or short media or posters or that sort of thing that's going to be going to be, you know, you're trying to get people's attention. You're trying to capture uh, them for a second so that they understand uh, that the new code is coming out, that they're interested in actually uh, accessing the code and taking a look at it. It might be the first time they've ever looked at the code of conduct. Um, so think about some some other ways you can approach uh, getting that interest um, to coalesce. Now the third and last piece that I want to talk about is I think important because this will be not be the last compliance um, project that you are going to do. It won't be the last time that you'll you know launch or relaunch your code because as we all know. Uh, codes of conduct need to be updated pretty regularly. And again, this is a product, just like any other product. This is a marketing effort, just like any other marketing effort. Uh, so we want to come back every couple of years and use the opportunity of updating the look and feel and the content of the code of conduct to reignite a conversation around compliance um, and ethics. And uh, uh, you know, it's 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 an, it's there's no end game here. So. If you're trying new things, uh, if you're, you know, for the first time putting a lot of time and effort into the launch and you're trying, you know, trying some short videos and you're maybe doing a podcast or a podcast series and you're, uh, you know, you have the newsletter and other uh, avenues that you're, um, you're using to market this, um, this, this launch, you need to think about how you might gather some metrics about the success of those methods. With a podcast or a, a short, you know, a short explainer video or, you know, a QR code, um, that's pretty easily automated to figure out how many people are clicking on, you know, using the QR code uh, or, or landing on your site, uh, how many people are uh, downloading the video or, or viewing the video, uh, how many people are downloading the podcast or listening to the podcast, that's pretty straightforward. It's, you know, 
the relative success of, uh, of speaking at the all hands event, well, that might necessitate a survey or a sample uh, uh, survey of the people who participated in the all hands to get their perspective about uh, the presentation that was made. But think about gathering some data. Um, this is something that we need to do more and more um, uh, in the compliance office. It, it, it's, uh, a, it's an expectation. Uh, not only is it going to be helpful internally uh, to show the relative value and success of the initiatives that you're undertaking, uh, but it's also an expectation uh, when you look at the guidance that we're seeing from the Department of Justice uh, more recently, there is an expectation that anything you do with regards to your program, whether that's drafting a new code of conduct, uh, you know, launching training, um, you know, uh, uh, launching monitoring tools, whatever it might be, uh, that there be some sort of measurement of the relative success of that endeavor. So that would be my third tip along with uh, getting the middle involved and trying new things and trying different avenues to communicate uh, the launch of the code of conduct. Third piece is think about how you might measure the relative effectiveness of that launch. I think that's helpful. So I, I hope that uh, this information uh, gets you to thinking a little bit about uh, launch of or relaunch of your code of conduct, either if that's coming up or if it's something that you're just in the planning phases of. And I also hope that you participate, uh, you know, whether you can be there live in Las Vegas uh, end of September or whether you can do that virtually, which uh, I think maybe many people don't realize uh, that it's that there's going to be a virtual option. Um, go to, again, uh, corporatecompliance.org uh, to check that out. And as always, if you have questions for me, uh, you can reach me directly at eric at moreheadconsulting.com or you can uh, reach me through the website compliancebeat.com. Sure, appreciate it. And until next time, thanks very much. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.